All right. I have a feeling today that I'm going to try to do a typical backup to get comfortable, and I'll probably um, tear an Achilles or something. That's a hard injury to come back from, too. Has anyone ever had a torn Achilles? Good. Yeah. Yep. Some of the best athletes in the world can't even come back from that injury. So it's a, it's a pretty bad one. I think it's the one that took Kobe Bryant and kind of re made him retire. He never came back the same. So, um, excuses. I just wanted to share with you guys, next week is Easter, and there's, there's two camps, right? One of the camps is, well, we know we're going to have a full church on Easter because it's Easter, and everyone comes on Christmas and Easter, right? And we can be very pessimistic about that, the fact of um, half, half empty cup that, oh, you know what, like they're only here, they're only here because of that. Or we could say, let's take advantage that we get more people on Easter to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ, right? So what I've done for me personally and what I challenge you to do, a ver this is a challenge that you can take a note in, is... I've come up with a list of 25 unchurched people as I was scrolling through my Facebook, 25 unchurched people that I'm going to begin inviting tomorrow. So I'm going to give them a call. I'm going to message them on Facebook. I'll get their number and interact with them. 25. Now that's what I will do. I don't expect you to invite 25 people. Um, and I hope that of those 25, two of them show up. I hope that one of them shows up, right? I want to challenge you guys next week to take advantage of the season and invite someone different. And that can be your whole 12 days put together and then you can feel like you participated, right? Check it off the list and feel good. Invite someone who doesn't know Christ. Invite someone who, who knows Christ but has been far away or invite someone that um, hasn't been coming to church in a while. Will you guys do that with me? Will you please do that with me? For the sake of Christ, not for the sake of just a community or a fun day, but for the sake of Christ, will you invite someone? And as Rob shared with us last week, over here he said, when you bring up Jesus, it will get awkward. So um, I'd rather get awkward for Jesus than awkward in other ways, right? Like sitting in an elevator with someone. You never know what to say. And it gets really awkward when we're in the elevator with Macy because Macy's sitting over there like, I know Joey's going to say something and I don't want him to say anything because it embarrasses me. So, um, MCF, you have permission to get awkward this week. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. I pray that you would just continue to prepare our hearts. God, open up our minds to comprehend your word. God, give us feet that are just willing to be obedient, hands that are willing to be put to work. God, may we have fertile soil today. May today be the day that we choose um, to just pursue you more, to surrender more. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so we're going to begin a series, Jesus Is. And today, what I, um, the main, one of the main points that I'll make is that Jesus is peace. Many of us try to find our peace in multiple different things, like Chipotle and coffee. That's where I try to find my peace. But even the best Chipotle burrito always falls short of the glory of God. It does. And you know what? You can even spend a lot of time with it. I mean, it literally takes 20 minutes to down that thing. And that's eating fast. So Thursday evening, I had a meeting at um, Panera. And I saw big bad boy John, John McLeod walking in. And I'm like, that's right. You go to that place. So he walked into Chipotle. And then Friday... Macy and I needed Chipotle because we didn't have it in several days. So we're there, and guess who we saw? Cheryl and Leah at Chipotle. So you get, all I'm saying is, look, you're doers, you're hearers, and you're obedient. They get it. That's two days in a row that the family got it. So, John, thanks for listening and leading your family the appropriate way. <laughs> all right. Nevertheless, Jesus is peace. We need peace, don't we? We need contentment. Most people that I talk to, most, 90 plus percent. This season, meaning months or years, has been really challenging for them because there's no peace. It's like they create these lists and they're trying to check off these lists and most of what people are believing is that if I just get this done and if I just get that done and once I get to here and once I get to there and once and if and once and if and when, then I can have peace. You're never going to find peace in the once and the ifs and the whens other than you just give it all to Christ. That's the premise of what we want to talk about today. Your peace only comes in Christ. So if you have your Bibles today, you can turn to Mark chapter 11. And I'm going to read to you um, verses 1 through 11. And there's a word that um, I'm going to say my way. I looked up the pronunciation, and it had four different ways. So I just said, I can't be wrong. So um, it's in the first sentence. So if it, you can come teach me later how to say it appropriately, but um, nevertheless. Chapter 11, verse 1, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem, and they came to Bethphage, in Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village of Heru, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, with no one, uh, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back. Here shortly. They went and found the colt outside in the streets, tied at a doorway, 
As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as, they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloak over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Bethphage. That's the way I said it. In the book of Mark, the um, the word immediately is said over 30 times And there seems to be a sense of momentum that's being created up to this point. Yet, in chapter 11, what we see is things seemingly slowing down. The people were aware of Christ and the miracles, the healings, forgiveness, all the deliverance. They were aware of the things and the momentum that was perceived to be created leading to them anticipating his arrival. Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem for the very last time. This is in the final weeks of Christ's ministry. Jesus is getting ready to initiate the whole hope of the Bible. This is summed up as Jesus as king dying on the cross as the lamb that was slain for the atonement of our sins. Summed up right there, the hope that there's atonement for our sins because we understand from several, several months ago, we're dirt bags, right? Came from the dirt of the earth. There was a sense that Jesus was going to restore his kingdom Nevertheless, the Jews felt like something big was about to happen when they saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem. So, what does Jerusalem represent? The epicenter of Christ's work on earth. Where it all is, the key part. Jerusalem represents peace. Zion, the place where God rules and hope for all the nations. But even though Jerusalem represents that, represented that, Jerusalem had a unique peace during this season. Peace as in P-E-A-C-E. A unique, unique, unique peace. This peace... Um, wasn't by internal contentment. It was actually by the sword. It was a peace that everyone had to obey and submit to it. So when you're in school and your teacher says, quit, you don't want to quit. 
but you know there's trouble if you don't submit, right? And those kids, if they don't submit, then they don't go to mechanics work anymore, and then they don't get their education. So you submit. The authority in the room creates peace. It doesn't mean everyone likes it, wants to like it, but they understand there's authority, right? That's what was happening in Jerusalem. There was a peace by authority. It was established by the Romans through violence. The Romans imposed their will and demanded that the people would submit, resulting in peace. Jerusalem essentially felt like a Roman city during this time. The peace of God was a distant hope, but it was a real hope. Don't many of us feel that today? That peace is a distant hope. Will I ever get that peace? Can I ever experience that peace once again? But it is a real hope, isn't it? That peace is sometimes what drives our days. Therefore, when Jerusalem, when the people of Jerusalem saw Jesus coming into town, they initially got really excited because they think that they're going to get delivered from the hand of their enemy. They got really excited. They think that the peace that they desired is coming. The problem wasn't the government. The problem wasn't the violence. The problem was with the people. Everyone was and everyone is in need of Christ's death and resurrection on the cross for the atonement of our sin. Which brings me to my first point today. Christ does things differently than you and I. I can't quit reiterating this. Christ does things differently than you and I. I often find out that God sends me in a direction and then it turns out completely different than I ever thought. So I'm learning, I haven't learned, I'm learning to continually let go of my agenda and just say I'm going to continue to take one step at a time and see what God wants to do. Nevertheless, a very familiar scripture, Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways uh, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, right? What we saw were the people in Jerusalem hoping that Christ was coming to deliver them from the sword. We often have hopes that Christ will deliver us from certain things in our lives as well too, right? But what we learn in this story is what they hoped for, God was doing something much greater. Jerusalem was hoping Christ um, would come and reign in the way that they wanted. They wanted him to oversee and sit on the throne and drive out the Romans. But what they didn't realize is the reign of Christ didn't come until after the cross. That's when the true reign takes place. All throughout scripture, Man assumes what God is 
doing, but he often seems to be up to something different. How many of us assume what God is doing in someone else's life? I think that's where we get caught up, right? We get in these holy circles, and in Jesus' name, we, we gossip. <laughs> oh, we're just talking good, right? So what do we say? You know what, Sammy? I'll tell you what, Randy, God's really doing this in her life. And this is what God's going to do in her life. And this is what God's teaching her, right? And we start talking in Jesus' name about what God's doing in our sister's life when we probably have no clue. It just comes with the pride that we try to carry as people to try to assume what God's doing in someone else's life. The fact of the matter is, one, we're probably wrong. Two, that's not our place to even to try to figure it out. The best thing that we can do, and this is, I, I believe this is the most effective and most powerful prayer that I could pray during this season. God, I pray that my sister, God, I pray that insert person from the church, God, I pray that my family member would encounter the love of Jesus Christ. That's the best prayer you can pray, in my opinion. Because when you encounter the love of Christ, when you accept the love of Christ, you become completely transformed. Why do I want to pray that my brother becomes a better insert or my sister becomes a better insert or that the person from church becomes an insert when that might not be what God wants? Now, if someone's sinning, put, put a sinner up to that, that test. God, I pray that this sinner would experience your love in a real way. What's going to happen to that sin when someone encounters the love of Jesus Christ? There's a better chance that they're going to stop sinning. God's not going to force himself on someone. So the best prayer we can pray, the best thing we can do is not assume what God's doing in someone's life, but the best thing we can actually do is pray that people would encounter the love of Christ. Amen? So the people you have over on Friday for dinner... Guess what you're going to pray for them? That they encounter the love of Christ. That they meet him for um, the first time or the hundredth time. There's a simple example of how Christ, Christ's way is different than ours. So imagine you're a leader going into Mechanicsburg or, or West Liberty or London or Springfield, right? You're arriving home as the leader, the king or the queen, right? Picture what that would be like for you. What would it look like? Some of you might want like a nice old Corvette. And you have ACDC playing, right? Right? Or some of you like that? <laughs> Hence, hence, why I'm not up here on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Some of you might want like um, Biggie or Tupac roll into your city like this with the Detroit lean. Some of you might want to roll in in a bunch of motorcycles. Well, what about like an airplane? When, when you think of, um, when you think is there another slide? Yes. 
When I think of power, when I think of might, that's how I want to roll. I'm safe. I can go high. I can go low. I can hit you with my bombs, whatever, right? You can do it that way. So, so Christ didn't enter Jerusalem like this. What about this? Or some of us might see Christ this way. <laughs> right? As Iron Man. He comes in here with all the power and ability to fly, walking, knowing that nothing, arrows, flames can't get him. But instead, this is who he came in riding on. <laughs> Could you imagine hanging out with Donkey that long? I mean, crazy. This is what he did. He came in riding on a donkey. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that we see in the Old Testament, and he came in riding in on a donkey. Matthew 21 refers to the donkey. See, the people hoped and thought that the kingdom of God would be restored immediately. The people, we did. People, we assumed what God was going to do because our need within our heart was so desperate because we felt like our needs and our peace could only come when certain aspects of our lives were met. They wanted the Romans to be driven out of their town. There's a lot of things going on in our nation that some of us like and others of us don't like. There's things going on in the world that some of us like and others of us don't like. The problem is never with the world in the sense of what people are doing. You're not responsible for that. You're responsible for your response, where you put your hope, where you put your peace. The kingdom wasn't restored there immediately. The perception was that Jesus was about to take over and take control, but yet he rode in on a donkey. What a disappointment to think that you have this great expectation of what this leader is going to do, and you have this big picture in your mind of how he's going to show up, and then he comes in on a donkey, and you say, what, what? This isn't the way I pictured it. They found themselves hoping for their idea to come to pass. And they were okay with believing their dreams about what Jesus was going to do. Dreams of Jesus driving out the Romans. Dreams Jesus would confirm their plans. They were interested in Jesus destroying the Romans not destroying their sins. We were interested in Jesus destroying our enemy. We were interested in Jesus destroying the tax collectors, destroying our boss at work, destroying, destroying, destroying. So often we forget that we want Jesus to destroy our sins. That's what we need. They were not interested in Christ changing their religion. 
but they were simply interested in Christ delivering them from their foes. All about their perceived peace. How often do we get caught up in our dreams and miss what God might actually be doing? How often do we only give one, give God one way of success? That's easy to do that. God, you have one way. All I, all I need from you, God, is this. You literally gave him one way. And there's a good chance he's not going to do it the way you thought. And when he doesn't do it your one way, you don't have peace. You don't have contentment. You say, what in the world, God? I think because they had so much of an agenda with God fitting in their box, right? That's why they were the same people who cried, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna on the highest on Sunday. But yet these are the same people that crucified him on Friday. They wanted him to fit in the box. God, do it my way. And if you're going to do it my way, then I'm going to sing praises and worship. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. But then, but then when, when things don't happen my way, you're not who you say you were. Crucify him. Crucify him. We want Jesus on our terms. We seek praises to Jesus for health, for wealth, for popularity, prosperity, deliverance. We sing those praises, but we back away from obedience, from patience, from discipline, from devotion. See, these people were people who would praise Jesus' name when they thought that they could have it their way. Burger King, right? Is that whose uh, slogan that is? Have it your way. And when it didn't work for them, they turned on him. Typical situations of picking and choosing what we want, right? You can't pick and choose. God isn't editable like your iPhone. I'm sorry, Android. Your, your phone isn't even worth the mention today. Jason and Amanda in that eternal battle. God isn't editable like your iPhone. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God. Your job is to ask him to help your heart align with his will. That's what your job is. God, help me see. Help my eyes see. Help my heart align with what you are doing. And even if it scares me, even if the Romans scare me, the Romans do scare me, God. If, if they even kill me, there's nothing that's going to separate you and me from each other. Right? There's nothing that can ever separate me from the love of Christ. Point number two. Jesus brings peace. 
Christ offers something that was much different than Roman peace based upon hate, control, power, and manipulation. If we look at a parallel story, we see that, see that as Christ uh, was on his way into the city, he wept. Luke 19, verse 41 through 42. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had known on this day what brings you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Christ was fixing. I love that word. Fixing. To bring us eternal peace. If they only knew. I believe verse uh, 43, Jesus then shares about the destruction of the city that will come. But if they only knew of the peace, if we only knew the peace that God wants to bring us, I want to know that peace. I need to know that peace. John 14, verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Christ says, I have peace and the world has peace. What do we know about Christ's peace and the world's peace? They're completely different, aren't they? The world tells, tells us to what? Party it up. Younger generation, turned up, right? YOLO, you only live once. That's what the world tells us. You only live once. Go get turned up. I don't even know what I'm saying. Go live it up. Go have fun. Go party. Drink. Sex. Drugs. Clothes. Cars. Popularity. Act one way on Facebook. Feel completely different inside. Have the biggest house. Always act happy. But to be internally dead. No one likes to be internally dead or hardly breathing, do we? We've all had seasons, and I would bet to say there's many of us in this room today who feel that way. And you know what? It's okay to be, be in this position today because God wants to set us free. Augustine, in his book, Confessions, says this, the heart is restless until it rests in God. The heart is restless until it rests in God. You can't find peace, you can't find rest in anything other than God, anything other than Christ. And that's what Christ wanted to bring to us, eternal life with him in heaven so that we can have peace. Love, joy, contentment, purpose. There's a re restless 
there will always be restlessness and things apart from Christ. You know what's really easy to do is when I go home after a long day, um, talking and meetings and hearing hard problems, which I love to be that person for you guys, so don't think that you can never share those things. But sometimes just talking, my talker gets worn out, right? Sometimes it gets a low battery. And when I get home, there's often many things that I say I need. Well, God, I need this. I need that. I need this. Anything absent of Christ is something I don't need. Now, guess what I can do? I can rest in Christ, and I can still honor him in the way that I rest. But usually when I say that I need rest, it's resting in the things of the world in the sense of watching something on Netflix. And I'm not saying I can't watch Netflix and rest in Christ, but it's a position within my heart. Often my position isn't that Christ is feeding me through Christian comedians on Netflix. That's not often my position. It's usually I'm saying this comedian needs to give me something that Christ can't right now or that Christ won't right now. So I go get my laughter from Netflix rather than having a position before Christ to say, give me your peace. The things of this world are never, ever, ever enough. They always lead us away, searching for more, and always feeling empty. So we search for more. We search, and we search, and we search, and we search, and we search. And then we're busy. Many people are busy, really busy, not because their schedules are as full as they think they are, but because there's always internal searching going on. That's why you're busy, because you're restless. And you're restless because you don't have the peace of Christ in your heart. So does increased availability actually add to us? Does it make things better for us? The more movies that come out, the more cars, the more outfits, the more this, the more that. Do these things add to our lives? Well, there's been many studies on that, actually. And um, this, the studies of, does more make us better? Well, if I have three t-shirts, two pairs of pants, 10 different colored socks, look at how many different outfits I could wear based upon that. I could wear the same shirt and the same pants with 10 different socks, right? You could change it up. The more choices we have doesn't necessarily make our life easier. And we keep on living under this idea of the more that I have, the greater peace that I'll have. Well, am I going to have spaghetti tonight with Parmesan cheese, aged Parmesan, or day-old Parmesan? or whatever, right? But seriously, there was a study 
And um, if we went to Walmart right now, if we went to Walmart right now and we walked down the salad dressing aisle or the cereal aisle, right? How many different cereals do you think you could count? Hundreds. And what about sa uh, salad dressing? Hundreds. Low sodium, low fat, buttermilk, vegan, plant-based, sugar-free, high protein. The list goes on. Atkins diet approved. South Beach diet recommended. South Beach Italian, plant-based Italian, craft Italian, right? The list goes on and on, and you sit there, and you just look, and you pace, and then you finally make your decision, and you feel so good that you went with the organic, locally owned and operated, fair trade, $7.99 a bottle, Italian. Right? You bring it home, you chop up your salad, you put it on the salad, you put it in your mouth, and you say, not what I expected. <laughs> I think they, Michael's farm could have done better. Right? So then, what, what's the first thing your mind goes to? Well, I'm going to go try Jerry's farm next time. You know, Jerry's farm was a little bit more expensive, but Jerry's farm or Utsi's probably do a little bit better job. So I'm going to try Utsi's next time. Because we have so much availability, we keep on thinking that, that the need, we can go find it. We think that because there's so much out there that there's just something that we're missing that we don't know where it's at and we can find it in this world. The options overwhelm us. Now, there are some ranch lovers, right? The only thing that ranch lovers were frustrated about is that they didn't go to Sam's Club and get the three-gallon um, three jug. Seriously, you ranch lovers, you dip that stuff on everything. <laughs> I got my, my pizza rolls. Ranch. Breakfast bagel. Ranch, cereal, it's worth a try, ranch, pedicure, ranch, ranch people need deliverance. Where are you at today? Where are my ranch people at today? I'm right, right? Ranch on everything, baked potato, ranch, chicken wings, ranch. So that, that's the only thing the ranch lovers are disappointed in when they leave the store. The more options, the greater chance there is to have dissatisfaction. When you convince yourself that there's something out there that, you, that can bring you peace other than Christ, you convince your, you've, you've been deceived. I've been deceived. I might be deceived in that tomorrow too. God, help me see, help me know, help me not be deceived. 
the more options you give yourself, the more options you allow yourself to have that will bring you peace, the more likely you are to be dissatisfied. One way, one thing, the peace of Jesus Christ. That's it. You know what? You know what? This also goes to a marriage principle. Once you get married, if, if, if you allow yourself to think that there's other options out there, guess what? You're deceived. And your spouse will never satisfy you. There's one option. The one you said yes to in a covenant relationship with Christ. I never read the verse where Adam complained about whether Eve was hot or not. <laughs> right? You want to know why? There wasn't a lot of options. <laughs> now, I think Eve was probably pretty. I don't know. I know this. She was certainly the most beautiful woman on earth. <laughs> Sorry, Macy. <laughs> At that time, <laughs> she's got the trophy. The more options, though, right? The greater we become, the more likely there's a chance to be confused. We become so dissatisfied with all the options, with all the things we think um, will bring us peace, that we build a restless heart. We can't sleep. We can't focus. A task that should take us 10 minutes takes us 30. You want to know why? Because when pain hits, you go to Facebook and you try to find your peace in Facebook and then you go back to your work and then you can't find the peace in your work. So then you make a phone call and then you come back to your work and then you can't find your peace in your work again because it's challenging. So then what do you do? You go do something different and different and different and what, what should have taken you 10 minutes now takes 45 minutes because you're a restless heart. You can't make eye contact with people. You can't stick to one thing. Always looking for something to produce peace by which isn't God. This is important. The heart of discontentment comes down to what we are trying to fill our peace with. Today, what are you trying to fill your peace with? Our only option for real peace is Christ and Christ alone. Period. That's it. In Jerusalem, they're thinking that their peace is going to come by the deliverance of the Romans. When Christ was just like, there's something, there's something so much different. He says, my way is way better. My way is way better than your way. I don't like that because um, how often do we find ourselves in the room where we're the smartest person in the room? probably every room, right? You know what? I was wrong about that, but your heart was wrong. So because your heart was wrong, I was right. God's way is even better 
than the 170 geniuses we have in here. God's way is way better than that. So point number three, God's way is better. His way. If all he did was come in and deliver them from the Romans, what would that have done for them? He came to set them free, riding in on a donkey for eternity, to bring eternal peace. God's way is better. Most of our requests are pretty ephemeral, right? I need this fixed now. Right now, God, I need this fixed. And God cares about those, those small things as well, right? But there's often so much more than it, um, that's at stake than what we see. Christ has an eternal mindset. We have a mindset of right now. What do I need right now? The peace he offered wasn't a simple deliverance from the Romans, but it was a peace that passes all understanding. I want that peace. Because even, even if I had the peace that was in my understanding, I think that'd be a pretty good peace. I want peace that passes all understandings. That I don't have to pray the preventative prayers of trying to keep God in a box because I have the peace that passes all understanding that if those things took place or when some of those things take place my peace is in Christ in Christ alone how many of us today are dealing with situations that require greater understanding and greater peace I think many of us. Restlessness. How many of us need peace in relationships? How many of us need peace in our addictions, finances, purpose? How many of us need peace with Christ? Peace at work. Peace with children, grandchildren, spouse, How many of you guys need peace in your health? If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Say, God, you are my king. And you do ride in in different ways than I would choose, like a donkey. And your ways are so much greater than my ways. I ask that you would bring me peace. Help me renew my mind and give me peace. If you need that peace today, then um, Ken's just going to play some music, and you guys have the opportunity to respond at the altar. So I'm going to pray, and um, you guys can start making your way on up. Peace, come after that peace today, right? Come after that peace.
God. We need peace. I pray that those whose hearts are beating, that know that they need to respond as just a declaration and confession to you that I need peace. That they would respond, God. I, I thank you for your ways being different than ours. I ask that you would help us um, focus in on you. Bring peace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ken's just going to play a couple moments. You guys can respond accordingly. You guys can continue to come on up as you feel. The rest of you can stay up here. We don't want some of you guys to leave here today saying I should have responded. So I'm not going to plead with you to respond. I'm just going to say, just I'm going to pray. And you guys just cup your hands open and know that that's, um, God can move wherever, right? So if you need greater peace today, just, just cup your hands open. And I'm going to pray. God, I ask that um, the miracle of the blood of Jesus, the peace of the blood of Jesus would overwhelm us this week, that it would transform us, and that we would find greater contentment. I pray in Jesus' name that restlessness would go away, that we can sleep, that we can focus, that we can be at rest in peace in a supernatural way. In Jesus' name, amen.